Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the uh, QB2 Experience podcast. Um, I'm your co-host, Salvatore Stefanelli, who you can find on the uh, tweet machine at uh, 2QBFFB. On the line, as always, is my fantastic co-host, Jim Sonnes, who you can find on Twitter at Jim, S-A-N-N-E-S. Jim, how are you doing tonight? I am doing just dandy, Sal. How you doing? Good. I'm uh, tired, ready <laughs> to get this podcast uh, roaring, maybe get my energy levels up because I got yeah kind of a uh, longish night ahead of me. Um, yeah, been... I think we're both in the same boat <laughs> yeah. there. I'm a little bit behind this week. I've been, I've pretty much just changed my whole life around. So like the past two weeks, I try to go to bed no later than 9.30 right. so I can get like a full eight hours of sleep and wake up early and get a head start. But Wednesday nights, it's kind of difficult because like I have this podcast, which I love doing. Yeah, I have to edit the podcast afterwards. And then I have to usually edit the um, Draft Day Consultants DFS newsletter after that. Yep. So Wednesday nights are usually busy for me. You got one or two things on your plate. Yeah, just a couple. <laughs> but uh, I got my kombucha... Maybe that'll help me uh, not fall asleep during this podcast. What is that? Uh, what is what, – what? You don't know what kombucha is? I have never heard of it. Oh, my. It is a uh, sparkling fermented tea beverage. Wow, that's not what I expected to be. That's <laughs> – that is pretty far from what I was expecting, I guess. <laughs> it's uh, it's healthy. It tastes good. and um, Those don't exist, Sal. <laughs> well, I mean, some people think that IPAs are good, so I don't know. <laughs> I may be in that. I may be in the demographic. But then again, I, I mean, I can't hide. <laughs> I, I can't speak to whether or not IPAs are good. I can just see the Twitter beefs that go on yeah, my yeah. timeline because I have not had a drink in like over ten years, so I kind of missed out on the whole IPA phase. Yeah. So, see, I mean, like for me, it's like I sit on the sidelines because I'm <laughs> I'm cool either way. Like I understand why people wouldn't like them, but I do enjoy them. So it, it's not something where I want to get into it. Like I will get into it over like green bean casserole or over and Thanksgiving. I will I will fight for that. Uh, but you know everything else, I'm just kind of I'm more laid back with, I guess. All right. So we know that you will throw down for green bean casseroles. Yes, absolutely. Any but, Minnesota, any good Minnesotan would. So should we just basically turn this into a food and drink podcast? Absolutely. So no objections from me, at least. We've crossed off IPAs, uh, <laughs> green bean casseroles, kombucha. What are types of foods and drinks that uh, we can talk about that no one likes? Well, we had the spicy chip, too, uh, oh, a couple weeks ago. The one chip challenge. That's correct. Yeah. I actually had some uh, decent spicy, crunchy tuna tacos yesterday. Those were good. Now you're speaking my language here. Anything taco, and I'm I'm good to go. I feel the more we talk about the food, the more that this is turning into like a uh, Denny Carter <laughs> podcast. So, Denny's Denny's food takes a surprise in recent in a good way. So uh, I can't even bash right now. I think that he's had a couple of good ones, like cranberry sauce. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, he's winning me over. I'll put it that way. I mean, well, he and I share a bond of sparkling water, so I'll give him okay. that. Okay. But yeah, I guess he, he does have some decent food takes, unlike Matt Harmon, who just trashes peanut butter. What's wrong with peanut butter? I mean, I, the, to be fair, Matt doesn't like any food, so okay. as long as All he right. doesn't have to eat it, he'll like it. But if he has to, if he has to <laughs> it's a pretty strict it, guideline there. <laughs> he's just not a fan of it. 
Huh. Interesting. I did not know that that was a thing. So, I follow Matt on Twitter. I just I never had recognized the peanut butter hatred. It's probably the only thing I don't like about Matt Harmon, who is a lovely chap, but yes. it's the one issue we cannot agree on. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll keep this in mind. So, basically, that is a horrible segue for our actual <laughs> podcast, but that doesn't really matter. I don't know we, how we got there. <laughs> we like to have fun on this show. So, as we are wanting to do, we tend to recap the week before to see how our streaming recommendations have fared. Um, last week, uh, we kept it short. It was American Thanksgiving. We had an abbreviated podcast. We also didn't really like that many quarterbacks. Ooh. So, we didn't want to spend too much time talking about options we didn't like. So, we'll just go over this quickly. Our um, streamers were Colin Kaepernick, who finished as the overall fantasy quarterback one, scoring a Touch over 33 fantasy points. We had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was someone I was really into last week. Um, he finished as QB 21, but he did score almost 17 fantasy points. So you can't really complain there. And then uh, Ryan Tannehill, who you were really more into than I was last week, scored uh, just a touch under 27 fantasy points, was the QB 5. Um, an interesting, interesting aspect of last week's fantasy scoring was just how many fantasy points were scored by the quarterback position because we spent like the whole podcast just talking about how we didn't like that many guys how we didn't really want to stream there weren't that many streaming options but at the end of the week depending on the scoring system you use um as i mentioned usually i'm a fantasydata.com guy there were uh, 13 quarterbacks that scored 20 or more fantasy points and then a whopping 25 quarterbacks scored at least 15 points and that was um, season highs in both categories i think the best part too is the guys who hit those benchmarks like there are some interesting names down there like jared goff uh was at 16.56 points which like in some weeks that's going to be a really good total but he was qb 22 matt barkley was qb 11 uh with 20.64 points like there are some really solid names on this list so uh you know we always talk about how unpredictable the nfl is and i think that it, it lived up to that in a really fun way in week 12 yeah i mean trevor simeon scored almost 30 fantasy points well that's expected against the is, kansas the greatest. Chiefs. That, this is true i mean if you look it down qb 25 was alex smith with 15 fantasy points which uh, i mean seems fitting that alex smith was the last <laughs> person to get 15 fantasy points so that uh that's our boy alex smith but yeah it's kind of crazy just looking at the numbers like you mentioned jared goff it's like oh he threw three touchdowns against new orleans scored 16, in the first half yeah scored 16 points but he's qb 22 so um then the one quarterback we mentioned that you should bench or not start if you had better options was Andy Dalton, one of the few quarterbacks who didn't score 15 fantasy points, he is down there at 12.72 and was QB 28 on the week. So basically, uh, so you had Joe Flacco, Josh McCown, Andy Dalton, Brock Osweiler, Russell Wilson, Scott Tolzien, and Sam Bradford. If he didn't start any of those guys, you probably did not have a good week at the yeah, quarterback don't, position. Don't start Russell Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how I wish, crazy. wish I had known about this one in advance. <laughs> I, uh, how crazy was it that Jameis Winston threw two touchdowns, like basically in the first half? It uh, might have even been the first quarter. I can't remember. I, was, I didn't keep track of the time. But then Russell Wilson has 10 fantasy points on the week. 80 rushing yards so eight out of his 10 fantasy points came on the ground and he still finishes qb 30 
I think Jameis's two touchdowns were like right away, and they're oh. both to Mike Evans. Right? Yeah. It was like it seemed like it was right away. I could uh, remember. So it seemed like, yeah. I could remember it was first quarter or second quarter, but yeah, it, they were definitely were bang bang. And then he still only finished as QB twenty four on the week. I'm still trying to pretend that the Russell Wilson week didn't happen and that Brandon Cooks never happened. Those are the two that will haunt me for at least another 72-ish hours or, or days. There, I don't know which. There definitely is no existence that Brandon Cooks played last week, so you're right. more than welcome <laughs> to just ignore that one completely. He allegedly played 60% of the snaps, but I'm inclined to disagree with that. I mean, if we didn't see any stats on the box score, he didn't play. Absolutely. <laughs> right, so that does it for um, week 12. Hopefully week 13 is just as nice for us because this is basically get in and win if you're trying to get a playoff spot because fantasy playoffs are next week. Yeah, they are. That's uh, crazy. That, that's exciting. Um, I'm pumped for that. And But the thing is, I think that there are some good options this week. So unlike last week, I'm pretty, I'm pretty psyched about this week for streaming. Uh, the problem is when I feel good, the results not always as, as as saucy so i guess we'll see i felt great about russ last week so we'll see i mean well look at us last week we didn't feel that great and basically it was a quarterback fantasy explosion so we'll see how this week turns out so yeah. we're, uh, we'll start things off here colin kaepernick um on the road against the chicago bears this game has a 43.5 over under the uh, San Francisco 49ers have a 21.25 implied team total, which has actually moved up because when I did my research yesterday, it was at 20.75. So it went up half a point for the Niners, which, you know, can't really scoff at. Uh, one thing we don't like about this one is the current win projections that the uh, numberfire.com daily fantasy lineup helper page has, and that's at 16 miles per hour. Mm. Well, uh, I mean, Kaepernick is type of quarterback we really don't worry too much when it comes to the win because yeah. of his style of play, but it's still something you want to keep in mind when you're you know, making lineups Sunday morning. Uh, so the Bears currently have a one-point spread, which is uh, in Vegas' eyes a pick game. Um, so we'll look at Colin Kaepernick has been averaging 18.7 fantasy points in his six starts so far this year. He has uh, four straight QB1 top 12 finishes and has been averaging 24.7 fantasy points per game during that span. And the one thing that we do love about Colin Kaepernick is his rushing abilities. And so far on the year, he is averaging 62.2 rushing yards per game. And I read somewhere on the Twitter timelines that that is a higher average than Todd Gurley this year. <laughs> that was Adam Leviton, I think. Okay. I think I retweeted that, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Adam Leviton, I think, retweeted that back on Tuesday or so. That was a good one, though. I, I died <laughs> when I saw that. I'm back, though, but I, I did die at the time. I mean, I know I was digging a little bit into the um, Kaepernick, San Francisco, Russian stats this year. So on the season, there have been uh, 31 quarterbacks. I'm not quarterbacks. 31 running backs that have had a 100-yard rushing game. And Colin Kaepernick ran for 113 this week. Um, if you combine Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert's rushing a stat, so it would be 545 rushing yards, three touchdowns. That would be 72.5 standard fantasy points from those two just on the ground, which would be RB32 in standard leagues this year. Ooh, yeah, That's amazing. I just oh, want a piece of that. Uh, then this is why we're talking about our good friend Cap this week. 
Absolutely. And I think that this is a really fun one. I actually have a one quarterback league where I have uh, I picked up cap to use a couple weeks ago as, as Philip Rivers was on a buy. And I'm using cap over Rivers with a decent amount of confidence, even though Rivers matchup isn't that bad against Tampa Bay. It's just so hard not to use Colin Kaepernick right now. You had mentioned the spread moving. And that's something that's pretty big here. Uh, we look at the spread. It, it opened at two and a half points or it opened at one, I guess. Um, the Bears favored by one. I get this from uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com. It moved to two and a half, but then since then, it's all been moving towards San Francisco. So like you said, they're now just one point underdogs, and that matches up. Right now, if you look at the spread.com, 61% of bets are being placed on the San Francisco 49ers. They've got some pretty heavy line movements. What that says is that smart money right now is probably on San Francisco, and that's good for Cap. I mean, he's shown why... He, you want him in fantasy this year. The rushing, that's pretty obvious. He has six rushes for 62 yards on average in his time as a starter this year. But another thing about Cap is he's actually been kind of okay as a passer this year. If we look at number fires metrics, he has 12.58 passing net expected points. Blaine Gabbert, for some, for some context, had negative 19.21. So Cap's actually been okay as far as uh, from the passing perspective here the bears are 21st against the pass so cap has his second best matchup in his time as a starter only the saints have been worse than the bears and the bears defense actually trending the wrong way I was looking at uh, some numbers from my colleague Brandon Gadula. He mentioned that the Bears are 27th against the pass if we look just from week 7 on. And with the injuries they have, the suspensions, that does make a lot of sense. Uh, the implied team total is 21.25. That's higher than we usually get with a guy like Kaepernick. The, like you said, the one issue, though, is the wind speeds at 16 miles per hour. I would watch that throughout the week. Last week, Caps game was supposed to be bad, too. Uh, but by the time we got to Sunday, the wind speeds had gone down to around 8 miles per hour. So I would refresh that page throughout the week, check to see where it is. And if it goes down, have more confidence in Cap. But I think even if it does stay around 16 or so, he's still a guy we can use given his rushing abilities. Yeah, definitely. We're recording this podcast like we do Wednesday nights, so there's a lot of uh, time in between for the weather to fluctuate as it likes to do. So it's always a good idea to check out the uh, numberfire.com daily uh, fantasy sports lineup helper page to see how that wind uh, speed is. But, no, going back to the Chicago Bears defense and just how they've been performing this year, they've allowed uh, three straight top 12 fantasy quarterback finishes to uh, Jameson Winston, Eli Manning, and Marcus Mariota. Each of those quarterbacks have thrown for uh, two touchdowns. They're allowing 17.1 fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. On the year, seven of the 11 quarterbacks to face Chicago have scored 17 or more fantasy points, and that even includes our not-so-good friend Brock Osweiler. There have been uh, four quarterbacks who have scored 20 or more fantasy points. And when we look at the the rushing capabilities of Colin Kaepernick, we mentioned he's averaging 62.2 rushing yards per game. So that gives you uh, six... Uh, point two fantasy points just from the ground and we've seen what the upside can be just last week how he ran for 113 yards and on this season we've seen um Dak Prescott ran for 36 yards and a score against this defense, and Marcus Mariota had 46 rushing yards against him last week. So if you combine um, Kaepernick's rushing ability, he mentioned he's been not too shabby of a passer this year. He has one game where he threw for almost 400 passing yards. He has another game where he threw for 
just uh, under 300 passing yards, which was last week, and he had three touchdowns through the air. I mean, if we always look at Kaepernick and we see, like, if he can throw for, like, 200 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, run for 50 yards, we're happy. But we saw what the sky is for Colin Kaepernick, which was over 30 fantasy points. And it, against the Chicago Bears defense, it's kind of reeling. Their uh, defense, as you mentioned, is kind of hurting going into the season, which most teams are. Everybody, it's week right. 13, everybody's going to be hurting at this point in the year. But it's uh, something you want to take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that uh, using a guy like Cap is a good way to do that. And the one thing that I've heard, I guess, being a concern for Cap this week is pace. Uh, but that's not really an issue with Chicago. If we look at football outsiders, Chicago right now is 10th in overall pace. Part of that's because they're not a very good team and they have to play from behind. But also, they are 18th in situation neutral pace. So, I mean, they, they're they're still okay in that department. It's not like they're, you know, we're facing the Giants or something like that, where it would be a huge pace game. Uh, so I don't think that's a huge issue, to be honest. I think that Chicago should be able to score points against San Francisco. Uh, Matt Barkley looked fine last week. So I I would be betting that this game goes over the projected over-under. And I think that if it does, cap would be a big part of that. Yeah, I think this is definitely a game where you can see going over the hitting the uh, over-under, which is at 43.5. And kind of like last week, San Francisco has had a low implied team total. Miami was a little bit up there, but we saw how that game went back and forth, and there's potential for this one to do the same. And we might talk a little bit about Matt Barkley later on in this podcast. Um, I'll just leave this one note here with Colin Kaepernick. I think at this point you can pretty much just safely pencil in 15 fantasy points as Colin Kaepernick's floor going the rest of the season. I mean, the lowest he scored this year is 14 fantasy points, and he's 18 or more in his other five starts. So I think he's one of the safer options to put in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, with that rushing floor that he has, it's it's hard to get a lot safer than that. I know that there are concerns about like him in negative game script, which is why I was worried about him against Arizona. But he's been fine, to be honest. So I'm I'm all aboard the Cap Express. Let's do it. All right. So moving on from Colin Kaepernick, we're going to go to a game that has uh, just a tad bit of a higher over under than the one we just talked about. Just a wee bit. This is the uh, Detroit Lions on the road against the New Orleans Saints, which means it's a dome game, so we don't have to worry about the wind, which is always nice. Uh, this game currently sports a 53.5 over under. We're going to be focused on the uh, Detroit Lions side of things, so that's Matthew Stafford on the road against Saints. They're currently um, five and a half point underdogs with an implied team total of 24, which is the same as yesterday, so no changes in the line as of right now. Um, so we see New Orleans is allowing 17.5 fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the podcast, Jared Goff threw three touchdowns against them, and as Jim pointed out, that all came in the first half. Um, how are we uh, looking at Matthew Stafford this week? Do we think he can hit Jared Goff numbers? <laughs> Oh yeah, he's. We're looking at Matthew Stafford with uh, these these googly eyes at this point. I love Stafford this week, and like you said, the over under is just so meaty at fifty three and a half, and it's justified. And you look at these two defenses. The Saints should be able to score points on Detroit. They've been getting better and healthier, um, but at the same time, 
they're still not an elite defense and breeze can shred denver he can shred seattle and he can absolutely uh shred the lions as well lions five and a half point underdogs here but that means that their implied team total is still 24 with that high over under which is a good number uh, for a guy of stafford's you know range as far as quarterbacks go in preseason adp so this really isn't that bad and you mentioned Adam Leviton before he coined this term called funnel defenses, which is a defense where you kind of have to attack them in one particular way, whether it be through the air or on the ground. And the saints have kind of become one of those recently. They played four games with their first round pick. That's defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins ever since he came off IR and opposing running backs in those games have averaged a 27.5% success rate against the Saints so far this year. It was 41.4% before that and the league average is right around 40%. So basically, you know, what you're seeing here is teams need to throw the ball against the Saints because their their rush defense is actually really good right now and the, the Lions can't run the ball anyway, so that's not a huge concern regardless, but it puts... Matt, the ball on Matthew Stafford's hands, and he's been really good this year. He is 11th in per dropback efficiency, and when you account for schedule, the Lions move up to 7th then. Uh, they're facing the 28th-ranked defense based on number fires metrics, and from week 3 on, the Saints have only faced two quarterbacks who have failed to throw at least two touchdowns in, against them. That's Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, so kind of weird that it was those two guys, uh, but that means that that Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, Trevor Simeon, and Jared Goff all threw for at least two touchdowns. And, you know, so I'm going to go ahead and be bold here and, and say that, uh, that, that Stafford can do that. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the game-by-game game breakdown of the quarterback performances against the New Orleans Saints, there is a lot of weirdness to it. Yeah. Uh, to be kind. I mean, I mean, remember week uh, to Eli Manning through 370 passing yards, basically scored 12 fantasy points. Uh, you look at Russell Wilson, 250 uh, yards passing, one INT scored under 11. Cam Newton, uh, just a shade under 13. But then you look at some of the other names, like you mentioned, you know, Trevor Simeon, Jared Goff, um, on the year, eight of 11 QBs have scored 16 or more fantasy points. You mentioned the two touchdown marker, seven of the 11 quarterbacks they face on the year have hit that. Uh, we know Stafford's upside in his offense and just this year alone, he has four games of three or more passing touchdowns. So he definitely has a uh, Jared Goffness in him to, uh, get out the touchdowns this week. Uh, we, we like the implied team total. I know they're um, New Orleans is favored in this one by five and a half, but 24 implied team total points for a quarterback streamer is nothing to, to laugh at. No, absolutely not. I think that that's kind of I, we when I start my research, that's kind of the sweet spot for guys in this range. If you can get a guy who is a quarterback two, you know, in that quarterback two range with an implied team total of 24, you're sitting pretty. Uh, I know that we've had guys around like 26 this year, but those are more the outliers. 24 is a really solid spot, and I think that that gives me more confidence in Stafford. The matchup's great. He's been really good this year, too. Um, I know it's been a bit masked recently because of some you know, lower-tier performances, but again, he has faced solid defenses. It's been Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Minnesota his past four games. And none of those teams are, you know, low or are lower tier defenses. So it's been a tough road for staff. And I think that he, he could bounce back in a really big way this weekend. 
Yeah, no, the Minnesota Vikings defense has been one that we try to fade when it comes to right. quarterbacks. And on the year, they've only allowed one top 12 fantasy finish, but Safford is averaging just around 15 fantasy points in his two outings against the Vikings this year. So, I mean, that's something that gives you confidence. Uh, I think this is the type of week where we can see a shootout in this game where you know, maybe Drew Brees finishes as the QB1, but Matthew Stafford finishes as the QB5. And just looking at the projections here, Number Fire has Stafford projected for just a touch over 20 fantasy points. And Drew Brees just under 24 fantasy points. So there's a, a lot of fantasy points to go around at the quarterback position in this game. Can we stream Drew Brees too or not? Is that off limits? Um, I think that might be a tad out of our range. <sighs> oh, well. Well, we tried. I can't say I didn't try at least. I mean, it, you get points for trying. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to our uh, last uh, top streamer of the week. That is uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, at home against the Indianapolis Colts. This is the Monday night football game of the week. It currently has a 49 uh, point over under, which is uh, half a point less than it was yesterday when I started my research. But uh, the Jets' implied team total is still the same at 23.5. They're currently um, two-point home uh, underdogs. Um, the win, though, here's an interesting thing. When I was looking at this game yesterday, it was at three miles per hour. Now it's all the way up to six miles per hour. Uh-oh. Trending the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. We don't like that Sound number. the alarms. <laughs> yeah, six miles per hour is fine, obviously. It's still, it's so, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're not. I just wish this game were on the the main DFS slate. I know that they lopped off Monday for good reasons. I get why they yeah. did it, but I just wish that this were still in there because this is such a fun game. Uh, like you said, the high over under at forty nine. The Jets implied team total twenty three and a half. The Colts are thirtieth against the pass based on number of fires metrics, and I know that. Fitzpatrick hasn't been super efficient this year, and it's been something we've discussed here multiple times uh, just because I grew up a Jets fan and I I yearn for the days of Chad Pennington where we could have that efficiency back. Uh, But when you're putting it up against a defense that's struggling like the Colts are, uh, they are likely without Vontae Davis, who was dinged up and wasn't really playing that well to begin with before. It's a really good matchup for quarterbacks. He still has Brandon Marshall, Quincy and Nunes playing okay. Um, so the pieces around Fitzpatrick are still good. And there's the potential. I know we talked about this last week. It didn't end up happening, but they could get their center, Nick Mangold, back in this game. And he has missed, I think, three games at this point with a bum ankle. He was uh, doing quarterback center exchanges with Fitzpatrick at practice on Wednesday. So that's a good sign. And every team from week four on has thrown for at least two touchdowns against the Colts. And three of the past four quarterbacks have thrown for three. So this is a really solid matchup for quarterbacks. I know that that's fairly well known, but... With Fitzpatrick, I understand reservations about putting him in, and I would have those same ones. But I think that just because the matchup is so good, we can have a lot of confidence in plugging him in. Yeah, and plus I would imagine the implied team total for the Colts is going to go up if uh, Andrew Luck is officially cleared to play this week. And T.Y. Hilton, too. too, Because it it seems like 25.5 is kind of low for a Colts team if they had uh, a healthy Andrew Luck and a healthy T.Y. Hilton. So I could see that going up, pushing up the over-under a little bit. It might even push the Jets' implied team total maybe up a bit. I'm 
I don't do make, it. I don't make Vegas lines, so I can't speak to that. But this is a fantastic matchup. We talked about how great his matchup was last week against the New England Patriots. Um, I've talked a little bit on this podcast about the pave metric from uh, Sean Facchetti over yeah. at twoquarterbacks.com, which is basically just points above uh, expectations. So basically if a quarterback – Defense allows this many points, but if their pave metric is, say, like 20%, it means that they give up 20% more fantasy points than they're expected to. Um, this week, uh, Indianapolis is now fifth in that metric. They give up 15% more fantasy points above expectation to the quarterback position. Uh, we talked about how Fitzpatrick had a great match against the Patriots heading into the week. The Patriots now lead that metric at 19%. So that kind of shows you just how good of the matchups Ryan Fitzpatrick has had lately. And this Indianapolis Colts defense has just been bleeding points to the quarterback position. Um, if you look at it, the last four quarterbacks to face this team, which would be a combination of Nick Foles and Alex Smith in Week 8, Aaron Rodgers in Week 9, Marcus Mariota in Week 11, Ben Roethlisberger last week, they've all scored at least 20 fantasy points. Oh. Uh, and you mentioned how you know, three of those that I mentioned have scored three passing touchdowns against them. Uh, Indianapolis is currently allowing the second most fantasy points to the quarterback position at a clip of 20.7 per game. Uh, those four quarterbacks I just mentioned, they've all finished top 12 fantasy quarterbacks. Indianapolis has allowed seven top 12 quarterbacks out of a possible 11 on the year. Average quarterback finish against this Indianapolis Colts defense is QB 11. So basically, you're looking at a... QB1 potential for Ryan Fitzpatrick. That doesn't mean the overall QB1, but he could be at least a top 12 fantasy quarterback this year. Um, you know, they've allowed 20 more fantasy points seven times this year, which I find kind of mind-boggling, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, and just looking at some of these fantasy stats, I mean, Trevor Simeon and Philip Rivers didn't do so well in weeks two and three, but other than that, it's just been lights out. No, Blake Bortles, Brian Hoyer at over. They each scored over 20. Brock Osweiler even had almost 18 fantasy points against this defense. You know, they've allowed two or more passing touchdowns in every game but to the Simeon and Rivers games early in the season. And Fitzpatrick, you no, know, he showed he can put up points. He's coming off a two-touchdown, 16-fantasy-point game against the Patriots, and he's just taking what they're giving to him. And he really doesn't uh, have any fear at the moment because he doesn't care if he loses his job. It's pretty fun to watch, I guess. I mean, because like he's always had a little bit of cutler in him, uh, yeah. but it's it's come out a bit more this year, obviously, to his detriment at times. But also, you know, um, sometimes it's been beneficial too. my one little concern here with Fitzpatrick is that if the Jets were to get a lead, the Colts rush defense is also really bad and the Jets rush offense has been pretty good this year so we could see a script where they just pound Matt Forte 30 times uh but I guess with Andrew Luck healthy if T.Y. Hilton can play and their center if Ryan Kelly can play for them too I wouldn't really be too concerned that that uh, that the Jets get a big lead here so that's that's in the realm of possibilities but it's not something that's going to deter me from plugging Fitzpatrick in yeah. I mean I like to say this a lot with some games but I see shootout potential and then in this one the Colts are currently allowing the second most passing yards per game at a rate of 290.5 uh 
Oh, wait, no, that's third most. Uh, I didn't see the Carolina Panthers on here. So it goes Falcons at 296, Panthers at 292, and then the Colts at 290. Uh, the Jets, they're giving up 274 passing yards, and they're going to be starting a Daryl Revis, who just today there's a story going around that he would quit if he could. Like, he's done playing. Wow. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's that's uh, scary. <laughs> As a Darrell Revis fan, that is, uh, that is a little scary. I mean, it could be fake news. I saw it on profootballtalk.com, so we don't know if it's true or not. But it said a source close to Darrell Revis said that right. he's done with football. So, Man. I mean, those are – that just screams like this game could just be back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, it could be. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, you know, um, I'm I'm excited for it. I don't want to get too excited uh, just to get a little overconfident, but uh, I think this could be a little fun. We need a good island game, South. So let's hope for it. Yeah. Well, we got what Dallas, Minnesota tomorrow night. That'll be fun. Could be an interesting one. And then <laughs> Minnesota's yeah. offensive line is crumbling further apart. So we'll see how that one goes. And Sam Bradford was on the injury report at one point, which kind of gave me a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Oh, Sean see... Hill. No, 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 not Sean Hill. Taylor, oh, Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Yeah. Yeah. After he broke his hand, <laughs> punching through a door or something like that. Oh, that honestly, that was one of the saddest off season stories for me. Cause I actually thought he could have started a game or two this year before oh, yeah. the Sam Bradford trade. Absolutely. I mean, between him and Sean Hill, you never know. <laughs> Too bad McC- McLeod Bethel Thompson is no longer there. That would have been fun to pontificate about. I, I but, uh, oh, well. It sounds like a preseason game of the week right, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched uh, a couple of McLeod Bethel Thompson preseason snaps. So, uh, you know, expert in MBT, I guess. All right, so uh, that's it for our top streamers of the week. We'll move on to our next segment, which is the uh, clipboard or holder of the week. We're talking about a quarterback we uh, recommend you bench or I uh, know at least consider not starting if you have better options. Um, as I was talking to Jim off air, I wasn't I, there weren't too many options that were really screaming out to bench this no. week. So this one's going to be kind of a, a lukewarm clipboard holder recommendation. And that's Cam Newton going up against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. This game currently has a 44.5 over under. The Panthers have a, a 19 implied team total. They are on the road in Seattle. Uh, the Seahawks are favored by six and a half. Only five miles per hour win, so I don't think we have to worry too much about that one. Um, Seattle has allowed a top 12 fantasy quarterback finish three times this year out of 11 quarterbacks, but um, the average quarterback finish versus Seattle this year is quarterback 19, and they're allowing the six fewest fantasy points per game to the quarterback position at a clip of 14.9, but we've seen lately some quarterbacks put up points against this defense. That's where kind of my hesitation comes into play. Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston have each scored 16 or more fantasy points in the last two weeks. Tyrod Taylor had over 27 week nine. Drew Brees did have um, just a touch over 20, but they did hold Tom Brady to under 13 fantasy points in week 10. 
Yeah, I think that um, there are reasons to like Cam Newton. So like you said, it's not – it's a, like I think the, the term used, lukewarm, is good. Uh, but it does match up with the process and what we look for for a clipboard holder. With that super low implied team total of just 19 points, uh, they are big underdogs at 6.5, which implies there could be negative game script. And negative game script against a defense like Seattle's, even in their current state, is kind of scary. Uh, it looks like Michael Bennett will be back this week. They're very talented talented defensive end he's been out for a while now and that's contributed to uh the sliding of the seattle secondary or the seattle pass defense i guess uh but you know they'll still be missing pieces so it's not as if this is going to be a fully healthy unit but getting michael bennett back does help and he'll be back against an offensive line that has been without their left tackle michael Orr, for a long time now and also their center ryan khalil re-injured himself a couple weeks ago he missed last week i'm not sure what his status is for this week but when you're missing your center and your left tackle that's a big concern the (laughs) the panthers have allowed you know a lot of a lot of sacks this year this could be a good spot to use the seattle defense uh for for season long and for dfs uh and i think that I wouldn't be too hesitant to do so. Obviously, the big concern with Cam is that he can get those rushing touchdowns. We know they love to use him in close, and he can still have a good fantasy week, even if his real-world quarterbacking does suffer. So that's why it's more of a lukewarm thing. But from a process standpoint, this is one where I would be very concerned about Newton still. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the rushing capabilities. He's ran for over 50 yards in a game twice this year. He has ran for over 20 yards in a game six times on the season, has four, five rushing touchdowns, just scored one on the ground last week against Oakland. Um, he only has four top 12 finishes this year through Week 12. Last season, he had a six at this point in the year, and he has kind of been held in check against good to great defenses on the year, scoring 15 or less fantasy points against the Minnesota Vikings, Arizona Cardinals, and Los Angeles Rams. And we can put Seattle into that group this week. So that's one of the reasons why we kind of targeted Cam Newton as a potential clipboard holder of the week. I could see a game where he does exceed expectations and finishes the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks, which is the part of the reason why I am kind of lukewarm on him. But I also see uh, a scenario where the Seattle Seahawks just stifle that Carolina Panthers O-line and just get to Cam Newton a lot. Right. And I think that if we're ranking him against the streamers, I would put Cap above Newton and I'd put Stafford above Newton. I am... Not sure where I'd stand on Fitzpatrick. He would be the more borderline one. But I think if it's if you have both Cap and Stafford, I think that I'd be starting them over Newton this week. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that one. All right, so that pretty much does the does it for the uh, clipboard or holder of the week segment. We'll move on to the uh, the rapid fire, and we'll start off with one of our favorites, Tyrod Taylor, going egg up against the uh, Oakland Raiders. So we just mentioned Cam Newton scored over twenty points against last week. Uh, this game currently sports a, I believe, is a 49.5. No, whoa. Ooh, this is interesting. Uh, yesterday when I did my research, it was 49.5 over under. But it's gone down to 48. Ooh, One and a half that's point. a lot. That's a, that's a lot of movement. Uh, let's see where it changed. Yesterday, the Bills were at uh, 23.25 implied team total. They're currently at 22.5 now. So basically, they've gone down half a point. 
Uh, the Raiders are favored by three. This game is in Oakland. It uh, currently has a 11 mile per hour wind projection, which is also interesting because when I was doing my research yesterday, it was at eight miles per hour. <laughs> and we know that Jim's magic number is 10 miles per hour. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 10 miles per hour is the point where I monitor it. Uh, 15 is where I divest. So, like, 10 is okay. Like, if it stays at 11, I would still be interested in Tyrod. But the the big concern here is that Sammy Watkins didn't practice Wednesday. And if Watkins can't play, that would change my thoughts on Tyrod. Uh, the big, you know, thought process here is that Tyrod's been a decent fantasy asset pretty much uh, for a while now. They're three-point underdogs. It's a situation where Tyrod will have to throw. The implied team total is still pretty good at 22.5. But the thing about it is, if he doesn't have Watkins, and we can't expect him to be super efficient when he does throw. If we look back to last year, Watkins led the league in expected points added on receptions on a per-target basis, basically meaning that when he had the ball in his hands, he was the best receiver in football with a minimum of 80 targets. Uh, Tyrod, He's added some rushing abilities, so that does kind of boost his floor a bit. He has at least seven carries in five of his past six games, and he hasn't been below 35 rushing yards since week five. So you're getting a three-and-a-half-point boost from him just from his rushing. That does help him. But again, if he doesn't have Sammy Watkins here, that worries me a lot. I think that they would just turn to a pound LaShawn McCoy and Jonathan Williams if Mike Gillisley is still out run them against this not very good Oakland defense and see what happens. They'd probably eventually have to throw uh, because Oakland is favored and a very good offense and the Bills defense is declining. Uh, but I'm not sure how efficient he'd be. So I want to watch Sammy Watkins this week. And if, if Watkins is good to go, then fire up Tyrod and let him rip. Uh, but I, I am worried about that at least. Yeah, I'm going to guess that the line went down because of the Sammy Watkins news. Yeah, that's true. It could be. Because that just happened today, so I can see that having an impact on uh, the odds makers here. Uh, Tyler Taylor has pretty much been one of the hotter quarterbacks on the season from you know, week two to week nine. He finished no worse than quarterback 15. Had a bit of a blunder there in week 11 against Cincinnati, but came right back in week 12 against the Jaguars, scoring over 20 fantasy points and being a top 12 quarterback again. Uh, you mentioned the rushing capabilities, which is something we always like. Um, he has ran for a touchdown in four of his last five games, is averaging 40 yards on the ground per game for the whole season. Um, only one game this year where he hasn't run for at least 25 yards, and he's been a top 15 fantasy quarterback in all but two games this year. Looking at some of the breakdowns of the uh, quarterbacks Oakland has faced, they allowed Marcus Mariota to run for 22 yards. They allowed Blake Bortles to run for 33 yards. Uh, somehow Brock Osweiler ran for 19 yards. I'm not sure <laughs> how that happened. He's how got to... long strides, at least. <laughs> those long legs, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, everyone calls Tyrell Williams the gazelle. I mean, why doesn't Brock <laughs> Osweiler get that nickname at 6'8"? Uh, Gazelles are Gazelles tend to be fast. That might be the deciding factor. Maybe the giraffe? Yeah, okay, yeah. Brock, does Brock Osweiler have a nickname? I know people call him Oz, but that's not really that creative. No. I mean, he's he's uh, Edward Cullen from the Twilight movies. I don't know if you've seen those, but uh, uh, so he looks I've, a lot like uh, Robert Pattinson. Um, I, I would like to just never talk about Twilight, the movies, or Twilight, the books ever again in my life. Well, I've seen all of them. I will yeah. fully admit it. I've, yeah. I've had to see all of them. I've had to sit in a movie theater to see them. 
Oh, this uh, was fully willing on my part. Fully okay, voluntary. Okay. This was not voluntary on my part. Okay. But I did read the last book because uh-huh. um, someone had put some excerpts online and I just couldn't believe what I was reading because <laughs> it just seemed like I don't – I didn't think a human being was capable of writing the words that I was reading. So I Be put surprised. myself through the process of reading that entire book and yeah, that is one of the – probably the worst books I've ever read in my life. Oh yeah, if you if you but the thing is the movies are so bad that they're amazing. Like if you have ever watched The Room, and I know that you oh, have yes, obviously yes. now, but but if you're a fan of The Room, you will love Twilight. That's the way this, I'll put it. It is it is in the same genre for me as as The Room is. That's true. I will give that to you. I do enjoy a bad movie going yes. experience. And one thing I will never forget about one of the last two Twilight movies, I can't remember which part of Breaking Dawn it was, but was when it, was those Russian accents. Oh yeah, no, that was that was amazing. That was great. Uh, the CGI baby. Oh god, they didn't yes. want to get an actual baby, so they used CGI instead. Amazing. Like that's a top movie moment for me of all time. Like there are iconic scenes, like the Pulp Fiction scene uh, with the, with the with the uh, with the burgers. <laughs> that uh, Jeremiah twenty five seventeen. Like that's up there. But I think CGI baby might be number one. I think so too. And also that. Like, if that movie had been directed by Rowan Polanski, where you have a guy that basically falls in love with a baby, it probably would have had an NC-17 rating. Oh, yeah. So that's something else. <laughs> also, I, I incorrectly cited the, the Bible passage. It's Ezekiel 25, 17. Okay. How could I do that to my, my favorite movie, Pulp Fiction? Ezekiel 25, 17. So, yeah. I mean, I think our audience probably wishes we weren't talking about Twilight right now. So I'll Watch. Just say, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go that far, but I'll, okay. let, I'll let Jim give that recommendation because like, it, it is a bad movie and you will have fun watching it. But um, I was just going to say, we should just christen Brock Osweiler the draft right now if no one else has given him a nickname yet. I'm game. Let's do it. All right. So the draft had 19 rushing yards against this defense in week 11, and he actually scored 14 fantasy points against Oakland, which, you know, for Brock Osweiler is a pretty good game this year. Uh, Oakland is allowing the seventh most fantasy points to the quarterback position at 18.4 points per game. They have allowed um, five quarterbacks to score 20 more fantasy points. Nine of 11 quarterbacks to face Oakland have scored 14 or more fantasy points. Four of the seven quarterbacks. Uh, scored, oh, oh, I was going to say, only four quarterbacks this year have not scored a combined two touchdowns against Oakland. Uh, we've mentioned the Russian Cup Village. He didn't mention Sammy Watkins. Uh, just kind of put a damper on Tyrod Taylor. But, no, he's had some pretty good games without Sammy Watkins this year. I'm not too worried about it just because of the rushing capabilities that he does have. Basically a 4.4 added to his potential in terms of fantasy points. So I'm still okay with Tyrod Taylor. Uh but I can understand the hesitation with no Sammy Watkins. Yeah, I think it's it's not something where I would go out of my way to avoid him if Sammy weren't there. Uh, but it would lower him in my totem pole pretty considerably. So here's a question I'll ask you, and I'll answer it after. Tyra Taylor or Cam Newton this week? Mm, if Sammy Watkins plays, I will go Tyrod. Oh. Uh, if not, I would go Cam. How about that? Oh, yeah, that's fair. And I'm I'm still sticking with Tyrod over Cam, so we can okay. look at how the results are after yeah. this week to see uh, which one of us was less right. <laughs> I don't want to say I wrong. Like these. No, I, I like these little head-to-heads. Yeah. The, the Andy Dalton-Kirk Cousins one didn't quite go so well for me, so I need to redeem myself. So let's do this. But well, at least they were both top 12 quarterbacks that week. So that's that was, true. That that's true. One. 
All right, so now we'll move on to a quarterback who I'm surprised is not our uh, main event, but that's just because <laughs> of how much we like him. If you haven't guessed by now, that's our good friend Alex Smith, even if he doesn't know we exist. <laughs> uh, this week, Smith faces the Atlanta Falcons defense. Uh, this game has a 49 over under. The uh, This game is in Atlanta, so it's a Gome game. Uh, that, that does not make any sense. It's a dome game. Uh, we don't have to worry about wind. The Chiefs have a 22.7 implied team total, which is actually half a point higher than it was yesterday, so that's nice. Uh, Atlanta is favored just by three and a half. They have a 26.25 implied team total. Uh, uh, for people out there that have listened to every podcast this season where we have mentioned Alex Smith, we like it when he is an underdog. Absolutely. This is this is the game script for Alex Smith. He is a short road underdog um, against a below average pass defense like that is the prototypical Alex Smith target game. Uh, the Falcons, if we're looking at number fires metrics, are 23rd against the pass. But the thing about that is that the Falcons offense has been so good. But they've had opponents in negative game script with decent regularity, and you would assume that a pass defense would fare well when that's the case, but the Falcons haven't really done that. You know, ranking 23rd is a pretty big disappointment considering how often they've been ahead. So this is this is a defense we can't exploit now. Desmond Trufant's probably going to miss this game. He's pretty dinged up even if he does play. So um, that's another thing to take away from Atlanta. Now, and we're looking at uh, Alex Smith. He's done well recently, and he could be getting Jeremy Macklin back. So I think that you add him into a receiver core that includes Travis Kelsey, who's been awesome, and Tyreek Hill, who has also looked really good. They've allowed Smith to bump his way back up to 19th in per dropback efficiency. He was pretty low earlier this year, so he's trending up. He's got good weapons now, and now that they've uh, allowed Hill's snap rate to increase, I would assume that'll stay up when Macklin gets back. Um, so they've got decent options in the passing game, and I, I think that this defense one you can definitely exploit. Um, so I like Alex Smith a lot this week. I think he's in a tremendous spot, and hopefully we can get some of that rushing that rushing production back i'm not really expecting at this point given that he hasn't run the ball a whole lot this year but it is something you always have to consider with smith is that he could plunge one in himself and you know get get, get you that two-point boost there too yeah which is something he did just two weeks ago at Tampa yeah Bay, which was a pleasant surprise because i, I kind of just wrote off alex smith's rushing I had abilities too. this year yeah because he just wasn't doing a whole lot of it uh, at all. He had 15 yards and a touchdown week one. So we're like, oh, yeah, there's the Alex Smith we know. And then he followed that up with two yards, negative three yards, two yards, negative one yard. And then kind of an uptick he went from seven yards to nine yards, 13 yards, uh, back down to 10, but the touchdown helped uh, two weeks ago. So you can always um, <clears throat> have to factor in the potential that Alex Smith could now run for like 20 yards, maybe get a rushing touchdown, which is always nice. But this is one of the uh, defenses we've been targeting all year long when it comes to quarterback streaming. Atlanta currently is allowing the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks at a rate of 21.3 per game. They have allowed six top five fantasy quarterback finishes this year. Not top 12, but top five, which that is a lot. The average quarterback finish versus Atlanta 
Atlanta is QB11. They have allowed uh, six quarterbacks to score 20 or more fantasy points in a game. Eight of 11 quarterbacks have scored at least 15 fantasy points. Um, Alex Smith has scored 15 or more fantasy points in five games this year. And you have to remember that he did miss a game and uh, had to leave a game early where he was on track to score 15 points in that game against Indianapolis in week eight. Uh, six quarterbacks have rushed for 10 or more yards versus Atlanta. I know it's no, not a whole lot, but an, an extra fantasy point here and there does count. Uh, and then if you look at it, this uh, defense allowed Mike Glennon to throw 75 yards and a touchdown <laughs> back in week nine. And he had actually outscored Carson Wentz, who scored 8.2 fantasy points in week 10 against this defense. I mean, that's just a little fun stat nugget. <laughs> I miss Mike Glennon. I mean, it's I... always a name that people throw around as a potential trade target. And then it kind of just like you like roll your eyes and kind of like the little like puppy dog looks and like, yeah. Oh, Mike Clinton. I remember him. I just, uh, whenever I hear his name, I think of Leo Howell who writes for ESPN. <laughs> yeah. His old avatar used to be, it was Mike Glennon's head over Cam Newton doing the yeah. Superman pose. It was amazing. Like it's, it's this very stoic Mike Glennon face <laughs> over Cam Newton doing Superman. And it's like my favorite picture on the internet. So Leo Howell, bless you, sir. <laughs> uh, I hope you bring the avatar back. I'm not sure if it's up now. I don't think it is. Um, but, uh, please bring it back. We need it. We need that in our lives. We also need Alex Smith too. <laughs> Uh, yes, we always need Alex Smith. And we've seen this defense has allowed five quarterbacks to throw for three or more passing touchdowns. Uh, two of those quarterbacks have thrown for four touchdowns. The uh, only quarterbacks to not throw a touchdown were Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz. Um, this is a um, little bit of a tidbit from Anthony Amico over on uh, 2QBs.com. Since Andy Reid took over the Chiefs in 2013, Smith has played in five games with a total of at least 48 and a spread of at least plus three. In those games, he averages 10 more pass attempts, 50 more passing yards, and 20 more rushing yards. So that just goes back to how we always like Smith in game script where he isn't favored. I like that. Go, Anthony. All right. Cool. And I think this probably go, will go the opposite of the Sammy Watkins news, but if Jeremy Macklin is officially cleared, I can see Kansas City's implied team total going up. I would not be opposed. It's already going up. Uh, it seems yeah. like the public likes the Chiefs this week. Uh, I'm not as into them from a, a <laughs> line perspective, but, uh, you know, more power to them. Um, so that's that's definitely helping. Uh, so I think that Smith is a really good play this week is the way I'd put it. And I can imagine he'll go under-owned in those daily fantasy football sites. Oh, not over here. <laughs> no? I, I haven't talked myself into it yet. I have to talk myself out of Matt Stafford, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But Travis Kelsey will probably have grotesque ownership on this end. I, I can I can see that one. I was mainly talking about Alex Smith, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he'll. He, uh, I, I have to talk myself into it. <laughs> Talk to me Saturday night, and we'll see where I'm at. Uh, we'll have a special Saturday night podcast yeah. <laughs> strictly dedicated to uh, yes. Jim's feelings on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, absolutely. All right, so moving on from Alex Smith, this is our last rapid-fire recommendation of Week 13. Uh, definitely a name that I wasn't expecting to talk about this year, but in hindsight, maybe uh, we should have. This is Matt Barkley going up against the San Francisco 49ers. We talked about the... Uh, 
the game script from the Niners' uh, side of view, but from the Bears, they are currently at a implied team total of 22.25. We've talked about the win. We talked about how the spread is basically a pick'em game. Uh, San Francisco has about eight top 12 fantasy finishes to quarterbacks this year, five of the last six. Average quarterback finishing in San Francisco this year is QB 11. They're allowing the fourth most fantasy points to the quarterback position at a clip of 19.8 per game. And um, the last six quarterbacks to face San Francisco, which would be Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Carson Palmer, Drew Brees, um, Jason Winston, and uh, Tyrod Taylor have uh, all scored at least 16 fantasy points with four of those quarterbacks scoring uh, over 20 fantasy points. Yeah, if we look at the quarterbacks to face San Francisco, only two or only two teams have failed to throw for at least two touchdowns against them. That was Case Keenum in week one. Shocker, right? <laughs> and then uh, also the other one was Carson Palmer a couple weeks ago. That was yeah. that weird game uh, where David Johnson <laughs> did really well, but everyone was mad about it. Um, uh, so that was that weird game. He had 49 attempts, 376 yards and one touchdown. That's kind of weird. Uh, so basically, you can assume that the Bears are going to generate points in this game, and that does bode itself well for Barkley. I think that my reason for being a bit scared here is that if this game stays close, which Vegas expects it to do, I would bet they're just going to pound Jordan Howard in this game. Uh, but, you know, with the, the line movement that we've seen in San Francisco's favor, it's not as if Chicago is going to be ahead by... 10 or so points in the second half, it seems like it's going to be a decently close game. So that's not going to be a game where they can just run every single play, which will force Barkley to pass. And like you said, quarterbacks have done well when they've been forced to pass against San Francisco. We've seen uh, Tannehill three touchdowns, Tom Brady at four, Drew Brees at three, three for Jameis Winston, and then basically everyone else is at least two. So it's a, it's a good spot for Matt Barkley. I want to see the wind go down for him more than I do for Kaepernick, uh, but we'll see how things shake out. If it goes down, uh, given the pace in this game between you know San Fran's pace and also Chicago's, there could be more points than expected in this one. That would, again, benefit Matt Barkley, too. I know uh, we talked up Mike Lennon in the uh, last quarterback. Uh, this is a San Francisco 49ers defense that allowed 65 yards and a touchdown to Trevon Boykin back in week three. Yes. But I do believe that was because of a Hail Mary at the end of the No, he of came that. in for Russ. Uh, Russ got hurt in that game. I think he dinged up his knee, and they, they took him out. Uh, he had played for a while, but they took him out. And I think that Boykin had a touchdown pass to Doug Baldwin, I think, at one point. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I, for some reason, I felt like it was on a Hail Mary. I, again, this is week three. I can barely remember what happened in week 12. <laughs> this is just after This is after I had just traded in stupid me in retrospect. But I had traded Melvin Gordon for Doug Baldwin 10 minutes before Danny Woodhead <laughs> tore his ACL. Oh. Um, so I was tracking Doug Baldwin pretty religiously at that point. So I think it was Baldwin with that touchdown from Boykin back in week three. But, no, because of the high pace of the San Francisco offense, the amount of plays, this has been a great um, defense to target from the quarterback streaming perspective. Uh, eight of 11 quarterbacks have scored 18 or more fantasy points. Nine of 11 have scored 16 or more. They've allowed two or more passing touchdowns in eight games. They've allowed three or more passing touchdowns in four of their last five games. Uh, they have allowed 26 passing touchdowns in total on the year, which is the second most, only seven I 
INTs to go against that. They are allowing an average of 316 passing yards in their last four games. And we saw Matt Barkley reach that mark last week at exactly 316 passing yards. Uh, You did mention the concern of Jordan Howard, which I can definitely see happening in this game. But one thing that kind of encouraged me last week, I'm not sure how much of this game you watched, but um, one of the drives... Jordan Howard dropped, which was basically a walk-in passing touchdown. Oh, yeah, touchdown. I saw that one. Yeah. So at least you can see that they want to involve Jordan Howard in the passing game, which makes sense because he's one of their better offensive playmakers that they have. He's one of their on. few that's alive at this point. Yeah, that's also, that's also true. He can, he can put on a jersey and shoulder right. so he can play. <laughs> but I was impressed by Matt Barkley's first career start. Now, I mentioned 316 passing yards, uh, threw three touchdowns, did have two INTs. He completed only 52% of his passing yards. But as I mentioned this week in my um, weekly recap blog over at 2QBs, it was a stat from uh, Nathan Janky. Uh, I'll say that's how you yeah, say his last from name. Pro Football Pro, Focus, from right? Pro Football Focus. Yeah. And he said that um, 11 passes were dropped by his receivers. So if he were to tack that on, his completion percentage would have went from 52 to 72%. And, you no, know, they did drop a potential game-winning touchdown at the end of the, uh, the game, which would have meant – Barkley would have four passing touchdowns instead of three passing touchdowns. No, he scored 20.64 fantasy points in his uh, first career start was QB 11. Um, Brock Osweiler's best game this week is QB 16, 16.74 fantasy points. So Matt Barkley has already surpassed the Brock Osweiler bar on the year. But I feel like if uh, I had done some more digging on Matt Barkley last week, he might have came in as a desperation play based on the matchup because the Tennessee Mm -hmm. Titans, as of late, have been a good defense to target from quarterback streaming standpoint. From week five to week five, the average QB finish allowed by Tennessee was QB 22. But from week seven to week 11, it was QB seven with the worst finish being QB 13. And then we saw Matt Barkley was QB 11 last week. Um, No, talent level of the quarterback position has played a part in that. No, in the first half, they faced the likes of Sean Hill, Brock Boswell, and Ryan Tannehill. And in the second half, they faced Andrew Luck twice, Phil Rivers, and Andrew and Aaron Rodgers. But they did give up uh, over 22 fantasy points to Cody Kessler back in week six. He's in the same realm as Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> let's be honest here. Let's not let's not snub good old Cody here. <laughs> All right, I, I'll, I'll give it to you this week because okay. the Browns are on a bye. <laughs> but uh, no, going forward, that's something you might want to keep in mind since we're heading into fantasy playoff this week. The Titans are on a bye this week. But they come back uh, against Denver, so Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch, depending on their health. Uh, week 14, Alex Smith. And week 15, Blake Bortles in week 16. So the Titans might be a team you want to look into when you're um, – if you make the fantasy playoffs this year. Oh, absolutely. They're they're a great team to target right now. Uh, I know they did release Parrish Cox, which is disappointing. Um, but they're still a good team to target. And I, I think that with Barkley, I kind of – I. Struggled to admit this, but I had a, a bout of Barkley trutherism when I was a sophomore in college. Uh, it was his junior year. He had nine, uh, nine. He had an adjusted yards per attempt of nine that year, and his rating was one sixty one point two. And if he had taken like a decent step his senior year, he would have been a really solid statistical quarterback. He kind of regressed though, so I, I backed off. Um, but 
he there are reasons to like Matt Barkley at least from a you know talent perspective. I know, and this is like one of the the rare opportunities where Matt Barkley might be available on a two quarterback waiver wire right. in right. a good matchup this late in the season. It's something you really don't see a whole lot of. So if you're in a pinch, you're desperate, you need a quarterback. Maybe you have Marcus Mariota on a bye. Um, no. Cleveland Browns or the other team on the buy. So if you're looking for a quarterback, he's someone I would you know put in a few fab dollars on if your uh, waivers haven't run yet. Yeah, if, at this point in the season, if you can get a guy in a matchup this good off the way off waivers, that's that's a tremendous find. All right, so that does it for uh, this week's uh, rapid fire segment and the podcast as a whole. Uh, quickly run over our picks so you can um, either laugh at us next week if we don't do so well or uh, pat us on the back if we do. Top streamers were Colin Kaepernick, Ryan Tannehill, and then our a good buddy Matt Stafford. Clipboard holder of the week, Cam Newton, Rapid Fire Recommendations, Tyrod Taylor, Alex Smith, and Matt Barkley. So that um, pretty much does it for this podcast. Hopefully, if you are still in a fight for a playoff spot, you clinch it. And if you clinch it on the arm of Matt Barkley, be proud and throw your arms up in the air like you just don't care. Hey, ho. That might be edited out of the podcast. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but um, as always, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at 2QBFFB. You can find my work uh, on 2QBs.com. Uh, Jim, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad this week's episode was longer than last, and uh, <laughs> even if it did include some Twilight talk. Absolutely. But, but as always, why don't you let the audience out there know where they can find your work? Yep, I am on Twitter at Jim Sanes, J-I-M-S-A-N-N-E-S, dishing out awful Twilight takes there. <laughs> and then also uh, you can find all of my work at numberfire.com. Perfect. And as like we mentioned during the podcast, check out numberfire.com slash NFL slash daily dash fantasy slash games to get all the updated line movements, um, updated win projections, because that is always a big part of lineup making us to be as up-to-date as he possibly can and – more so, it is definitely important in week 13 of the fantasy football season. So having said that, everybody out there listening, good luck this week and happy streaming.